Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. How about them Cowboys? Yeah. It's only one Oklahoma, and it ends with state. And it ends with state. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, how you doing on this Tuesday? Uh, doing great. Had a great weekend out in Red River. 29 inches of snow in 48 hours is what we had going for us in Red River. So it was a powder weekend for the Powells. No injuries to report? Uh, not in the Powell house. We we did go with my one of my friends from Chickasha and his fiance, and she might have torn an ACL. She, oh, no. Yeah, she's a little bit more of a beginner-level skier. And, man, that that deep of snow, like in places it was knee-deep, thigh-deep, and you almost have to be on a little bit steeper slope just to get through it. And she was doing the best she could. But in hindsight, she probably wasn't ready to ski in those conditions and got twisted up and fell kind of awkwardly. So don't know that she's gotten the MRI yet. We just got back yesterday, but that was day one, just a few hours in. So she had a little bit of a rough go, but still still had a fun trip. And hopefully, fingers crossed, it's just a bad sprain or something and she didn't actually tear it. I'm surprised more people don't blow their knees out skiing. That just seems ripe for that. Yeah, it does. I, I wear a big like offensive lineman style brace on my right knee, uh, dislocated that kneecap a couple times. So I've got like one of the big braces on over there and that allows me to do what I want to do. Cause I would, I would for sure blow out a knee without the brace. Yeah. I would, I would go double knee brace, full offensive lineman, even though I don't have any knee injuries just to protect myself. I figure if it's good enough for the O lineman, it's good enough for me. Yeah. I don't wear one on my left knee. Uh, my left knee does pretty well. So hopefully that doesn't end up biting me, but it was for for more advanced level skiers. That powder was a lot of fun because we we could just kind of float down the mountain on top of it, which, um, yeah, that's enjoyable if you know what you're doing in it. But if you don't, you can definitely get hurt. This podcast is brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We got softball season coming up soon. Be sure to pick up your latest gear for that. Wrestling is rolling. Get your wrestling pete gear as well be sure to stop at chris's if you're in stillwater for basketball wrestling you name it that's the place to be we appreciate chris's sponsoring the podcast as always colby i want to start with some sad news uh toby keith from moore oklahoma uh one of the biggest sooner fans in the world has passed away at the age of 62 uh just a really sad sad deal i mean that's way too young he was fighting stomach cancer uh, he had been looking pretty frail, so I guess it doesn't come as a complete shock. Uh, just very, very sad. And I think when I think of Toby Keith, Colby, I think of Bedlam banter, and I think of it in the best, most fun-loving way possible. You know, Toby always would sit down there kind of right behind Media Row or where all the cameras were shooting games when I was filming games. Uh, and Norman uh, obviously goes to all the football games as well. He just had a really good spirit about him when it came to Bedlam. You know, OSU famously would pay, play uh, Should Have Been a Cowboy after games, and it's like the ultimate Bedlam banter song written by a, a Sooner fan. Um, but I, I, think that, I think everyone, whether you wear orange or where you wear red, Toby was just a super, super nice guy, really cool dude. And I just – I don't know. That, that news kind of hit me harder than I expected this morning. I, I actually was – out to dinner with my wife and a couple friend of ours, 
Um, we were discussing it. I mean, uh, Robin Marsh from News 9 just did a big uh, interview with Toby. It's really good. I encourage people to go watch that. And we were discussing it, and we were kind of hearing that he wasn't in great health uh, as it currently stands. And and unfortunately, that news came down down today. So just curious your thoughts on Toby Keith and, and his passing. Uh, Yeah, I mean, icon, right? Oklahoma legend. Toby Keith was, his music was a big part of my childhood, being born in the early 90s. I distinctly remember walking out of Oklahoma State games as a kid, which should have been a cowboy playing over the loudspeakers. And, you know, when you're a kid, I just always thought it was hilarious that the OU guy had the should have been a cowboy song. And, um, yeah, just really a staple in Oklahoma with athletics, uh, with his music. He just, he, he'd been a presence uh, my whole life in this state. And, like you said, way too young, 62 years old, um, just celebrated my mom's birthday. My dad will be 60 this summer. It, it just, and, and it doesn't seem, I mean, it seems like they've got another, at least 30 years to go. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy when somebody like that goes, um, way too early. So it was sad news to wake up to for sure. And an Oklahoma legend an Oklahoma icon who's passed away. And I think Oklahoma and Oklahoma state fans all, uh, revered Toby Keith. He was just, he was a good Good Oklahoman. What what more can you say? He he accrued all that fame. Uh, he was still always down there in Norman. He was out of Belmar. He he's just a a classic, legendary Oklahoman gone too soon. So definitely very sad news to wake up to on this Tuesday morning. Yeah, it just shows you that our our time here is short. I mean, for a, for a guy that has all the financial resources in the world, it just shows you how scary cancer is. I mean, he had a, every resource imaginable, and with certain types of cancer, it's just it's not enough. That's really really sad, really scary. And hopefully, you know, cancer research continues to progress. And I, when I think of him too, Colby, I think of, he's just kind of like a guy like you or me. Like if we were rich and famous, I think we would be living the the super fan life that Toby does. I would want to be down there on the court. I'd want to be down there on the field. Uh, he just got to live like the true dream of every OU, OSU fan and be just just be another fan, but also have, you know, the, the, the proper access being, being who he was. He kind of lived the dream fan life. Did he not? Yeah, he did. And and real quick, um, I'm going to go ahead and throw one of our Twitter questions out because it's relevant here. Brian asked if either of us interacted with Toby in our media days. I actually, I never interacted with Toby Keith. I never met Toby Keith. I heard good things about him from people who knew him. Uh, but no, our, our paths never crossed in, in any form and fashion. Did, did you ever interview Toby or meet him or anything like that? Um, I believe I met him at an OU basketball game just very, very briefly. Just, hey, Toby, how's it going? Just nothing of, of note as far as personal connection. But he was super approachable in that way. Like if you, cause he would come kind of come into the media room sometimes where like they have drinks and food and stuff and just anybody could just say hello and chit chat with him. And that, I think that speaks to kind of, you know, even though he's this country superstar, he's just a normal dude. And I think people didn't bug him in that way just cause Hey, there's Toby again. He's at the game, you know? Um, so no, no personal interactions with him, but uh, speaking of those Twitter questions, uh, we were asked about any OSU adjacent, Toby Keith content. That was from our guy, uh, Brian Metcalf, who always sends us great questions. And I, I saw the clip that went as going around today. I retweeted it of him and Barry Switzer at Eskimo Joe's. I think it was last year. And he led, uh, he led Eskimo Joe's bar and uh, a rendition of should have been a cowboy. I thought that was again, you know, 
for a Sooner fan to go into hostile territory like that and just win everybody over and, and play along and sing along, I thought that was a really cool moment that will kind of always be associated with Oklahoma State. Yeah, and, and I think that that points to the fact that Toby Keith he, he got it right. Like he was, he was in on the joke on should have been a cowboy. Uh, like he knew that he was the sooner guy. And yet that song was so famous and he was in on it. He was, he had fun with it. Um, yeah, just a, a classic Oklahoman who, who knew what it was all about. And somehow I think could be loved by Oklahoma state fans decide, despite being the biggest sooner Homer in the world. He, he crossed that line. So, um, a sad day for all of us, and and I have seen nothing all day except people just revering Toby Keith, which is uh, how he should be remembered on this day. Do they still play Should Have Been a Cowboy after games or no? Um, oh, I'm trying to think. That sometimes I think they Man, used I, to play it like as soon as the game was over, over the PA. It's the first thing they would play at basketball games when I used to go all the time. I know they used to do it at football, but I think they've kind of replaced it with Garth Brooks's Good Ride Cowboy since, you know, obviously Garth is is an alum. But I kind of missed, you know, kind of like at uh, Thunder Games, I always play I Got a Feeling, the dun, 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 right as the game's ending. Uh, I kind of wish they'd go back to that. I had really fond memories of, of that song. And again, the double entendre of, a, of Sooner fans singing it is just is a, is a classic. And I, I certainly get playing Garth, but I, I kind of miss Toby playing right after the games. Maybe they'll do that this this week. Uh, yeah, I'd be surprised if they didn't do it this week and maybe next year, maybe sprinkle that in a little bit after some football games, just, um, as a memory for Toby Keith, because there were many a game. I, I mean, seriously, my childhood is riddled with memories of walking out of Boone Pickens stadium, Lewis field at the time and hearing should have been a cowboy blaring out of those loud. I still remember the first, um, game of the Mike Gundy era. I think it was Montana state. Oklahoma state won that game 15 to 10 and we're walking out of the stadium like, Hey, a win's a win. It should have been a Cowboys just blaring in the background. So <laughs> I would imagine that that will remain a staple at Oklahoma state for quite some time. Yep. Uh, Oshie basketball got to, got to celebrate a win. Speaking of, uh, they've won two of their last three Oklahoma state beats Kansas state ending the Wildcats, their fourth straight loss. So little signs of life here, Colby. They, uh, one, two or three now. Javon Smalls kind of turning into the player we kind of expected him to be. He had 18 points. And Q Williams really stepping up in the absence of, of Bryce Thompson. He had uh, a double-double, 17 points, 10 rebounds. So kind of the the youth movements in full swing there with with Q and, and uh, Brandon Garrison. And obviously uh, John Michael Wright also contributed another 10 points. So, hey, just win, baby, right? Just just get, just get some wins. Win, one, two out of three wins, uh, or wins and two out of three is certainly better than the way things had been trending, going 0-6. Yeah, I mean, it's just, they're not they're, they're not done fighting. Like, they keep going out there. Bryce Thompson gets hurt. Next man up. Um, and guys just go out there and get it done. I obviously didn't watch it since we were out in Red River. My parents were there. Saturday was actually my mom's birthday, so she was in the house and got a nice birthday win, so that was fun for her. And, um yeah, to Boynton's credit, to the players' credit, they haven't given up. That's a Kansas State team with a lot to play for. And Tyler Perry coming down the stretch, you you fear him. He was, what, I think five of nine is what I saw from three in that game uh, and just locked down defense there at the end. I did see the final shot in the highlights that went awry, 27-footer, I think it was, falling out of bounds. So, uh, yeah, the team keeps fighting. It's just you, you wish that there were more – uh, reasonable opponents in the Big 12 so that you could try to get your head above water. The schedule is just so brutal, but it's why it's so important to get the ones at home 
and to beat the kind of more average teams in the Big 12, which Kansas State is one of this year because there are just more ranked opponents on the horizon. So a great win for Oklahoma State, a really good bounce back for Keon Williams, who, who we've talked about some, the mistakes earlier in the season with the turnovers that potentially cost him a chance at, at some looks at the end of game. So it was nice for him to have a big day. Um, Keller look, looked great, obviously, in the stat sheet. And I, I asked my mom for a rundown yesterday, and she just raved about him. So, um, yeah, a great win for Oklahoma State basketball. And you hope you can keep it rolling against some pretty tough opponents coming up. Yeah, Marshall Scott added some really good context to the roster at Oklahoma State. Uh, the amount of freshman minutes they have played – going into that game against Kansas State was 1,400. So 1,474 freshman minutes. That's 1,000 more than all but one, two, three, four teams in the Big 12. That kind of speaks to how young this team is. I know people get tired of hearing that. Heard it a lot over Mike Boynton's tenure. We heard it a bajillion times over Travis Ford's. But the the portal exodus between you know Avery Anderson, Caleb Boone, Musa Cisse, Tyreek Smith, and Woody Newton, um, three of whom graduated from OSU, uh, all headed for the portal after last year. So they've had to replace upperclassmen essentially with their recruiting class. And of course, there's been flashes from the Brandon Garrisons of the world. But I think that speaks to you know as frustrating as the losses are. Order to. It's it's kind of hard to expect a team playing that many freshman minutes to have real consistency night in, night out. Yeah, it is. And it makes you wonder um, really what the future of the program does look like if Boynton keeps all those guys coming into next year, if they all came back and then he came back, could, could they potentially build on some things that they're establishing this season? I just... I don't know what the right answers are right now for Oklahoma State basketball because obviously the record is unacceptable. Um, when you apply the context of the youth, it it just it doesn't make the record acceptable, but it does make you think, okay, what if a few of those close games, right, like these losses by five or fewer points, what if as sophomores they turn around and they win those games? Then what does this program look like? And, and if you gave Boynton the one more year, could he fulfill some of that promise? I, I really don't know the answer. And the people who have to make those decisions, it's a hard decision to make. The rest of the season coming up with Oklahoma uh, falling out of the top 25, I didn't realize that. You, you still play Oklahoma twice. That's a team that has lost three out of four in Big 12 play. So that knocks two uh, ranked games, turns them into unranked opponents down the stretch. You're at Houston tonight at 6 o'clock on ESPN2. Uh, we've got gymnastics at 6.30, so I'm going to miss the majority of that one. Hopefully it'll be worth going back and watching if they're able to get the win. But then you've got Bedlam, two out of four coming up after that. Uh, only two ranked opponents in what is that, the next seven games for Oklahoma State? So... Um, four of those games are on the road. I know this is a team that's a lot better at home, but I don't know. I, I, I think I was looking at it last week and I was saying maybe there's one more win on the schedule, but I look at it here and what nine games left. Maybe you get four of those. I mean, it, it best case scenario, maybe you get four or five of those and you get to six or seven conference wins. And I think that makes your decision at the end of the season, a lot tougher on who comes back, who doesn't and the future of this program. So, um, love the way this team's fighting and really hope that they can rip off another four or five throughout the rest of the season, but they're certainly not good enough to pull away from anybody. So it, it's going to be 75, 72, 61, 58. It's going to be those type of games that you're going to have to win. So hopefully all these young kids can learn how to win these close ones. Cause that's what's plagued them throughout most of the season. Yeah. Another four or five wins would certainly go 
a long ways for for Mike Boynton and his job status. On that front, Colby, I have reached out to someone pretty close to Mike, and I think the temperature right now is I don't think he's going to be let go after this year. I think he'll get another year based on what I'm hearing now. Of course, they bought him out and don't win another game this year. I think that's subject to change. But I think with all the freshmen they have uh, on the roster, I think that helps his cause. I think the buyout certainly helps his cause. But uh, I've gauged some temperature up in Stillwater. I don't. I don't know if he's going to be let go after this year. Of course, we got a long way to go, but that's that's kind of the temperature I'm I'm reading right now. Yeah, I have heard conflicting things from people I know in Stillwater, which really just has me confused. And I, I do think some of it depends on how the season plays out. Like if they lose the next nine, I think it's a hard sell to the fan base to bring him back. But I mean, if they do rip off anywhere from three to five more wins, something like that, and you're able to bring all these freshmen back next year, I think that there could be some optimism that Eric Daly and Brandon Garrison and just these young guys could come together and another year for Javon Small in the program as a veteran next season. I think there could be some optimism. You knock Oklahoma and Texas out of the conference next year. Um, It's not going to be an easy Big 12 by any means. You're still going to have Kansas. You're still going to have Houston. Texas Tech looks great with McCaslin. Uh, BYU is a good program. Baylor, obviously, is is elite in college basketball for the last half decade plus. Um, It's not going to be easy, but if they can get a little momentum here toward the end of the season, then I think you could have some optimism that if you bring him back and you bring all these freshmen back next year and have some roster continuity for once, that maybe next year could be a different story with all these close losses. Yeah, I I think that's certainly a, a case to be made, and I you know, there's a lot of talk now comparing Mike to Travis Ford and kind of comparing their their years, and of course you know hey they got rid of Ford, so surely it's time to get rid of uh, Mike Boynton. I think there's a key difference here I wanted to point out between the Travis Ford era and the Mike Boynton era, and I think the biggest difference between the two is the talent that they inherited. I mean, people forget this, but Sean Sutton's players really kept Travis Ford afloat while his recruiting classes were flaming out for several years. For instance, Ford inherited a loaded core, Colby. Here's who he inherited. James Anderson, who went on to be a Big 12 Player of the Year. Byron Eaton, Terrell Harris, Obi Manello, Marshall Moses, and Keaton Page was a holdover from Sean Sutton's recruiting class. And that resulted in his only NCAA tournament win was his first season at Oklahoma State. And for a while there, Moses and Page were really the only good players on the roster. I mean, it basically, uh, Moses was, again, I've gone over for years how underrated he is, how productive he was on a minutes played basis. And then it got to the point where Keaton Page was running like the Steph Curry offense because they had nothing else around him. And he's a great player, great, really good college player, but he wasn't ever meant to be the, you know, the Steph Curry of the team. He was supposed to be a really good shooter on a, on a good team. And so it wasn't until Ford landed uh, Marcus Smart, Markel Brown, and LeBron Nash, which is a big-time recruiting haul that, that Ford certainly deserves credit for. It was only then that he had any real success with his own players. And you, you juxtapose that with what Mike Boynton inherited. He inherited Lindy Waters, Thomas DeZagua, Cam McGriff, and one year of Jeffrey Carroll. That's about it. So it's hard to compare the two, really, when you look at kind of the the loaded roster that Ford got to got to use right away versus the kind of slow build that Mike Boynton's had to do. And he's had his own recruiting classes flame out too. I don't mean to absolve those, but I just don't think it's a, a fair comparison to Mike given what he inherited. 
Yeah, I think it's always tough to do comparisons of different eras because it's never apples to apples, right? It's um, it, it's like the goofy LeBron MJ conversations that everybody wants to have. It, it, stop! It's they played thirty years apart in different eras. Uh, it's totally different. Just enjoy greatness when it's out there. And as far as Oklahoma State basketball goes. It's never going to be apples to apples. The program was at a very different place. Uh, you were much, much closer to the era of the Suttons, obviously, with Travis Ford inheriting what he inherited and some of the players that he inherited. Gallagher Hybo was a little bit different place back then. Social media was a little bit different place back then. It was just the world was different than, than the one Mike Boynton's living in now. It was a very different Big 12 that Travis Ford was coaching in. It was a good conference, but I don't know that it was the absolute murderer's row that the Big 12 has been the last few years. And now you've added Houston and BYU into the conference, two programs that are always good, and Houston, one of the best in the country, year in and year out right now. So um, I understand the want and the desire to go back and compare what is happening in this era to what happened in past eras and, and how it shakes out and what happened with those coaches as we all try to get a handle on what the future of the program looks like. But that is very tough to do. Um, and, and I think doing some analysis on that can be useful to, to try to get a handle of the big picture. But I think using that as any concrete evidence to decide um, what the program should do now, I, I think that that would be reactionary and just a, a bad comparison. So the Travis Ford era is its own era. The Mike Boynton era is its own era. And the context that you applied there, I think, is important anytime that you're trying to compare things that are happening in different time periods with, with different players and just um, at a different point where, where college basketball is at and where the world is at, really. So, um, yeah, I thought that that was good context that you applied there. Yeah, and I think that was really kind of the frustrating thing about Ford was he just he could never build on all the talent he already had at his disposal. So we'll have to see how Mike Boyden progresses this year. They got Houston tonight at six o'clock, the top ranked team in the Big Twelve as it currently stands. Then it's Bedlam on Saturday. How how you feeling about both those road games? Uh, you know, road games are still a little dicey for me right now. I don't feel great about playing at Houston tonight. I mean, we've talked about the youth on this team and Houston is just, they're going to be disciplined. Uh, they're going to make everything that you do difficult. I, I don't feel good about tonight's game at all. Like I, I said, hopefully it'll be rewatchable. Uh, I don't think it is going to be one that I'm going to want to rewatch the Oklahoma game on Saturday. That's a six o'clock game. ESPN plus down in Norman. That game, I think, could be really close and really good. This is an Oklahoma team that's reeling a bit from where they were at early in the season. Um, they really bolstered their their record with what was a pretty weak non-con and then one good game uh, there where they beat USC by a couple of points and an Arkansas team that I think people didn't really know how good they were. But Oklahoma's reeling a bit now with two losses at home to Texas and Texas Tech. Um, and then they won at Kansas State and lost at UCF. Got got handled uh, at UCF. So I think they're reeling a little bit. They've got a couple of home games. They play BYU tonight. So, um, yeah, I think that both of the Bedlam games could be close. Like I said, I don't think Oklahoma State's good enough to run away from anybody. But could they win one or both of these Bedlam games? Yes, absolutely they could. And if there's one one thing Mike Boynton has been great at at his time in Stillwater, uh, it's beating Oklahoma. He takes that rivalry very serious. He always has his teams up and ready to play. So the energy on Saturday night, I would expect to be what we've known under Mike Boynton against Oklahoma. Yeah, two teams that are different trends. You know, he's lost three of the last four. And you're right, Mike Boynton does have a good record in uh, 
in Bedlam. We don't like them. I, I just I, I'm going to keep that on the intro for a long time as long as Mike's the the head coach at Oklahoma State. So uh, football, OSU got a commitment from a Virginia Tech uh, transfer, uh, Dwayne Lofton, a five foot eleven, hundred eighty nine pound wide receiver, committed to Oklahoma State on Monday. Uh, hasn't done a whole lot in three seasons. He does play every game, um, but he only had 400 yards and three touchdowns in his career there, but he has one year of eligibility remaining. And I think it's important, Colby, you know, they they did lose Leon Johnson the third, so that they need more depth at the receiver position. This is a guy that's played at the power five level. So there's not a ton to replace on offense, but this could, uh, this certainly seems like a piece. I mean, he did, he was a three-star coming out of, Fort Worth. He had offers from TCU, Colorado, Kansas, Mississippi State, Louisville, Penn State, among others. So, uh, decent get in the in the portal. He hasn't done a whole lot productivity wise, but uh, certainly a depth piece for OSU. Yeah, and a, a necessary depth piece. I think. I think we all love the trio that they're going to run out at the start of next season with Brennan Presley, Rashad Owens, and Dejon Stripling. But we saw Stripling get hurt this year. I mean, guys miss games, and not only that. Um, just being able to spell those guys for some plays and, and get somebody else out there who can eat up space, who can make some plays, who's a veteran, who is going to be able to pick up the offense and be able to fill in. One thing Mike Gundy talked about this fall when the receiver core got so hurt. I mean, they just dropped like flies, especially after that West Virginia game. Um, and it made it difficult to practice sometimes at receiver. It made it difficult to have guys uh, running some deep routes and things because you just didn't have the depth to rotate guys through. So I think having depth at that position with that unit is huge because this is a year for Oklahoma State where expectations are going to be sky high. And, you know, anything less than 10 wins, I think, is, is going to be a massive disappointment. So just having depth at those positions, Oklahoma State got the running back transfer, uh, I believe from Arkansas, I think, A.J. Green coming over earlier in the portal and now getting this receiver from Virginia Tech coming over in the portal. These aren't superstars that are going to come in and be your starters, but they are valuable depth pieces who've played at the Power 5 level. So I think this is a good get for Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. Yeah, and they don't, again, I mentioned they don't have a ton of production to replace. In fact, I saw a chart, uh, the returning pr production percentages of every team in the country, Oklahoma State's fourth. So they have the fourth most production in the country uh, returning uh, to offense. They have 79% uh, on offense, 74% on defense, and there's six teams in the top 25 from the Big 12. So the Big 12 did retain a lot of their production from a year ago, but Colby fourth in the country. I think that's why you're going to see OSU get way more preseason love than they've had in the past. Uh, just, I think you got to look at all that's returning and that's become a rare now with the portal era as well. Yeah, it has. I mean, roster continuity is nothing in college sports these days. It's constant turnover. It's learning the new roster the next year. And, and it's, what Oklahoma State is is doing going into next season, I think, is going to make this team loved and revered by fans because there's so much fewer, uh, so many fewer teams in college sports now where you know all your stars going in the next year, everything's taken care of, and you know everybody. You're not turning on the TV week one. Who's this guy? Who's this guy? Who's this guy? That's what college football fans all across the country are going to be doing. That's what a bunch of college football fans just down the road from us in Norman, Oklahoma, are going to be doing next year. And Oklahoma State's going to have a bunch of familiar faces out there. Um, continuity in the coaching staff, continuity in the players, all five offensive linemen back from one of, uh, I think, the better offensive lines we've seen recently for Oklahoma State, a second year under Brian Nardo. 
I mean, the continuity and what'd you say, fourth most returning production in the country. That's why I'm so bullish. That's why I jumped out there uh, last week with a way too early 11 and one prediction for Oklahoma State. But I really think that this is the year that we see sometimes for Oklahoma State where everything aligns. And yeah, the the schedule, the continuity, um, the veterans, it's, it's going to be the opposite of what we're seeing with basketball with all the young guys. I'm just very bullish about this team. And man, it's it's February 6th. And I'm like itching to just, all right, let's get to September 1st. Let's get the college football season. But we've got a lot to get to between now and then remind me what did we predict osu to go last year uh i believe i went nine and three and you went ten and two or did you back off your ten and two to come down back to nine and three no i went ten and two so i've got a ten and two again this year um you know people think we're we're doom and gloomers but you had them at nine and three and i had them at ten and two i think some people forget that so i just want to make note of that so ten and two again for me this year so yeah i think that um Things bode well as it currently stands. Uh, let's transition to wrestling, Colby. John Smith's got them rolling. They uh, took care of uh, number five ranked Missouri on Sunday, beat them 24 to 10. And now this is all of a sudden John Smith's best dual team in more than a decade. Um, if they were to beat a top five Iowa team in a few weeks, they'd be the first to tally four top five wins since the 2004 slash 05 season, which was. John Smith's best team. They had five individual national championships or national champions that year on their way to winning a national championship. Uh, it's pretty much everyone fighting for second. Penn State is way out in front. We all know that, but OSU needs to be in the mix, and they're certainly in the mix early. Yeah, they are. They look great, and and they're getting the fan base fired up about wrestling again because Oklahoma State, with the history that Oklahoma State has in wrestling. When the program is just kind of average, I mean, the last couple of years, they didn't win the Big 12 title. Um, you know, the, the fan base really shows out for wrestling when you feel like you're watching a national contender and certainly the best team in the Big 12. And that's what it looks like this year for Oklahoma State. Um, I know it's a little weird with the conferences in wrestling. The Missouri matchup is a, a conference matchup. But the Iowa duel coming up here in a couple of weeks, it's on my wife's birthday. We've got other plans, so we won't be able to make it up there. But it's February 25th, and that is just going to be a massive duel. I, I think GIA is going to be packed out for that. It's going to be an awesome atmosphere. I When I was a student at Oklahoma State, I went to a couple of the big duels, and I don't know, man. There's just something about that wrestling atmosphere where it's like everyone's on the edge of their seat just waiting for that moment, and then it's it, it's a simultaneous eruption when you get it. Um, it's pretty cool. If, if people have never been to a big-time wrestling duel, I highly recommend uh, February 18th. They're going to have Bedlam Wrestling in Stillwater, but then February 25th when Iowa comes to town, I imagine that's going to be a packed-out GIA with just a crazy atmosphere. So I highly recommend anyone who can get up there because those are a lot of fun. AJ Ferrari coming back with Iowa. That will be uh, quite the scene. I forgot about that. I forgot he was a Hawkeye now. That's, um, well, I'm not, I think I'm, so. He was giving double birds and punching people. I don't know if he'll, he'll make it to that duel or not. Let's give AJ Ferrari a quick Google. Did uh, you see that though? He like was, they were, they had the, uh, Iowa was doing some sort of wrestling event. He like, like punched a dude and then gave double birds to people. It was, Interesting. Not much uh, has changed there. Yeah, I did not see that. That's uh, There are definitely some headlines popping up when I Google AJ Ferrari, so I'll just let people give that a Google if they so choose. But, um, yeah, that'd be cool if he came back. I would imagine uh, Oklahoma State faithful will 
will welcome him back to Stillwater however they please. But yeah, I wonder, um, is Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz, any of those guys running the wrestling program? Are they just going to try to run out the clock on our wrestlers or how does that work? Maybe that's not universal across Iowa athletics. Sorry, what was that? Oh, I was just making uh, fun of their football team, asking if Kirk Ferentz had any impact on wrestling, if they were just going to try to run the clock out without anybody scoring. <laughs> I don't know if that translates. I mean, Iowa wrestling, they're, they're used to scoring points unlike their uh, their football team. So I wonder, um, wrestling scoring, you'd have to add up. Iowa wrestling probably dwarfs Iowa football in scoring, I would imagine. Oh, got to be. I mean, the hell, their defense scores more points than their offense in football. Yeah, that's. Uh, I wonder how much bandwidth Iowa fans have. I'm just, I'm just going down a rabbit hole now in wrestling season, but also women's basketball. Like Caitlin Clark right now is one of the biggest draws nationally for any, like any sport. People are waiting outside, long lines to get in to see Caitlin Clark. I wonder if that has impacted wrestling at all with people deciding to spend their money and time to go see Caitlin Clark instead of Iowa wrestling. But probably not an answer that we'll get anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, toast of the week. You ready to do that for Twitter questions? Uh, absolutely. Yes. That's, uh, show our good friends at Yingling some love. Yes. Uh, toast of the week brought to you by Yingling America's oldest brewery. Be sure to check out the flight. Be sure to check out the traditional lager. It's good stuff. Check it out at your local establishments. They got it loaded up at on queue. I've been seeing the loggers going out of there every time I stop at on queue. So we appreciate Yingling sponsoring the podcast as always. Also, Capital Distributing, they're loading it up at OnQ. They do a great job getting the, the fine Yingling to folks surrounding the area. So without further ado, the Toast of the Week brought to you by Yingling. Colby, which direction are you going with? Uh, Yeah, Toast of the Week. I'm actually going to go to one of our listeners, Carson, because I went out to Red River this past weekend, and I said I was going last week on the pod, and Louis Rodarte hit me up on Twitter and said that he wanted to meet out in Red River. So I get out there, and I check my phone Saturday. We're going to meet down uh, at the lift house and hang out. And he got sick Saturday morning, didn't get to ski, didn't get to come out um, and say hi. So I wanted to give him a big shout out because I love our listeners. Uh, I love that people want to meet us and see us and, and just talk Oklahoma State sports with us. And I felt horrible that Lewis got sick and didn't get to come up and hang out. So toast of the week goes to Lewis. I hope you're feeling better, man. And uh, hopefully our paths cross in Red River one of these days. Yeah, that, uh, that's good. So I, always run, I love running into listeners. That's, that's big time. Uh, I'm going to go with Javon Small uh, with the absence of Bryce Thompson for the remainder of the year, it seems like, with a torn labrum. Uh, it's going to be his show. Already kind of was, but hopefully he continues his fine play because they're going to need it. Uh, Big 12, there's no rest for the weary. But as you mentioned, there's some opportunities for wins, and hopefully Javon Small can keep it going. So he he had some hype coming into Oklahoma State. I think he's he's certainly proving to be the type of player we all, we all expected. So I'll, I'll go with Javon Small. Uh, you ready for Twitter questions? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. I liked this one um, from Daniel. He said, Mizzou just, Missouri just received a $62 million athletics donation. If you had that kind of money to donate to OSU, what, what would you want it to go to? That's a tough question because I can't decide if I just want to give a ton to football because that's the most fun whenever they're winning and it's, and it's great. Um, or split it up. Are we doing strictly athletics here, or can I give a little bit to the J school that was so good to me? You can do whatever you want with it. It's your 62 mil. Okay. Yeah, he didn't specify specifically that we had to give it to athletics. So 62, uh, let's give 10 of it to the J school to, to update uh, what was a little bit of an outdated building and facility whenever I was there. Great, great journalism school. Uh, so we'll give them 10 
that leaves 52. So let's give 20 of that to football. Um, that leaves us 32. We'll give 10 to basketball. Leaves us 22. Uh, I'd say let's give 10 to golf. That leaves us 12. And then we will split the other 12 between baseball and softball. So I'm, I'm not giving anybody all of it. I'm sprinkling a little bit around all over the place. That's a good question. How would you spend it? I put all 62 million into football because <laughs> let's be honest here. Football pays the bills for everybody. Uh, it just does. So I, as, as, as much as we need more facilities, as much as, you know, softball needs a new stadium and everything that's going on with the new athletic village, pump it all into football, baby. Cause that, that's what butters your bread. So, uh, now where would it go? I mean, I would like to say, you know, everyone bemoans OSU's recruiting budget. I wonder how much of that is Mike's choosing versus lack of funds. But uh, I would put it all into recruiting slash NIL and uh, make OSU football as good as it can possibly be. I'm not, I'm less, uh, I'm less democratic than you. <laughs> yeah, I was sprinkling it around, but I mean, again, I, I preface my uh, my response with saying. Should you just give it all to football? Because maybe you should. Um, here's a question from at Pistol Pokes on Twitter. What are the chances of Utah and Oklahoma State both making the playoff next season? Seems like their schedules are set up to possibly get a rematch in the Big 12 title game. 12-team um, playoff, so it's certainly possible. I would say both teams, even after the conference championship game, would need to have two or fewer losses to even have a chance. And I, I don't know... Uh, still that that would do it because the SEC in a 12-team playoff is probably going to get five in. The the Big Ten's probably going to get three in, and then you, you'll sprinkle the rest of them around. So um, I don't know. I'm very curious to see how year one goes and how much respect uh, the ACC and the Big 12 get. I think it's possible, but you're, you're going to need to perform well and maybe have some style points in there to get two Big 12 teams in, I think. Yeah, I think it comes down to just overall record. I mean, if – if there's two one-loss Big 12 teams, I think there's certainly a case if those two have one loss that they get in. I I, I don't know if they're going to put five SEC teams in. I don't. I just maybe I'm maybe I'm too optimistic about that. I think that seems like a lot. I could see yeah. three or four. I could see three or four from the SEC. I could see two or three max from the Big Ten. I mean, who's that going to be? Ohio State and Michigan. And then surely people are out on Penn State by now, realizing they're no good. Although maybe not. They all they do is beat on the rum dums and they get ranked in the top ten. So maybe maybe three from the Big Ten as well. That leaves that leaves a good amount of spots. Yeah, it does. Maybe I maybe I was giving the SEC a little bit too much credit. I think Georgia and Texas would really have to screw some things up not to get in. And Alabama, I don't know. They lost a lot of guys in the portal. Um Nick Saban retiring. I we'll have to see what Alabama looks like next season. So maybe maybe three there and then two or three in the big 10. So maybe there's a little more room there than maybe I thought initially, but um, I still think that those two conferences are going to garner more respect nationally because we've just seen it time and time again. So uh, Michigan obviously lost a lot as well, lost their quarterback, lost their head coach. So um, I think Alabama and Michigan having some turnover could lead to a little bit more parity at the top next season. Yeah, I think that's certainly the case from um, John Laxative. Uh, hope he's doing all right. You wake up tomorrow and you're offered the chance to go back and watch any OSU sporting event live that you never had the chance to. What sport, what year, and what game? Oh, this is okay. I, I misread this question the first time, so I think my answer is wrong now. So, this is a game that we actually never watched. Is that what he's asking? Um, oh, it's watch. I thought it was attend. 
Go back and watch any OSU sporting event live that you never had the chance to. My, my initial answer was the Elite Eight game against St. Joe's, but I've seen that one, so I don't think that that qualifies. I think I misread the question. So if I could go back then, it would probably have to be um, – Let's let's go with a ten. I think when he says watch, I think he means like you're there. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to go with something from the Barry season. I, you I can go back and watch that Elite Eight game on YouTube right now. So I think he means being there. Yeah, I um, I would go with something from that '88 season from Barry. I don't I don't have his his game game log pulled up in front of me. Uh, but I would go look at the game log, find something where he went absolutely ballistic, but the game was still close and Oklahoma state won. And that's what I would choose to go back and attend. See Barry live. You could go back there and like distract the referee that threw the flag on Garrett Limbrick that, that made Mike Gundy throw the bomb to Brent Parker. Yeah. That, uh, um, distract that referee. That way that doesn't, you know, Barry's going to get one yard. Yeah. I like that a lot. Here we go. I'm trying to pull up uh, Barry's game log from 88 he had 320 total yards um in a win against whew, in a win against kansas state but that was a big win uh how about the close game oklahoma state in tokyo right after he was named the heisman trophy winner he had 332 yards on 44 touches four touchdowns and oklahoma state won the game 45 to 42 i would go to tokyo and i would watch that game that's a good one i mean barry live and in person would be pretty special. I think I would go to the St. Joe's Elite Eight game. I, I watched it on TV in Stillwater as a student. Um, really wish I'd have been there. That still is probably my top moment. Just not only just the fact they won to go to the final four, but just, you know, the shot from John Lucas, the stop at the other end against, you know, St. Joe's, who they just totally got hosed in the selection committee. I mean, they, they were the number one seed. OSU was the two seed despite winning the Big 12 regular season, which was by far the best conference, winning the tournament as well on top of that. Uh, their resume was so much better than St. Joe's. It wasn't even funny, but hey, they got to prove it on the court. And uh, I would love to go back to that moment because that that still is, is probably my favorite Oklahoma State memory. Uh, yeah, that's a really good one. I, that game was awesome. That's just one of the best. Oklahoma State moments I can remember in my lifetime is him hitting that shot. I think, uh, was that 2004, spring of 2004? So I would have been 11 years old. That was, uh, I'm sure young Colby was up sprinting, yelling, arms waving, all that stuff. I'm sure we were having a good time. Yeah, that would have been a good one. Um, let's see. Go to is from Brian. Uh, he asked his friends in low, low places the better victory song at the end of games. Uh, I would say no, because they've started doing that tradition. Colby, don't they, between the third and fourth quarter of football, play friends in low places? Yeah, that's not really an end-of-game tradition. That's an in-game tradition, and it is an elite in-game tradition, and I love it, but since it's not a post-game uh, tradition, I think we have to stick with should have been a cowboy there. Uh, go to Super Bowl dish. Ooh, that's a good also one. Also from Brian. I would probably go um, – I'm a pacer. During the Super Bowl, like any really big games, I, I have trouble sitting still. I, I get up and pace a lot and walk around, and I just need to be munching on something. So I would probably go, if you've got a really good queso that I can just have a little bowl of and just go get one chip and then go watch the game for three minutes and then go get another chip and just do that for three hours, I'm probably a, a chips and queso guy as long as it's some really strong queso. Yeah, got to go chips and queso, and I also got to go buffalo wings. Buffalo wings and a cold beer and Super Bowl just – Go together. That's probably what I'd pick. Yeah. Is it heresy to not be a big wing guy? Because I'm just not a big wing guy. Yeah, it's pretty much heresy. Yep. 
Yeah, it pretty much is. That's usually the uh, the reaction. <laughs> um, what is? Why don't you like them? Too spicy? Uh, not necessarily too spicy. I just don't love the buffalo flavor, and then they're just they're a pain to eat. It's just something easier to eat. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. All in all, it's just maybe you need some boneless wings then. Yeah, but at that point, that's just chicken nuggets. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh, I had one pulled up here, and I scrolled away from it. Uh, oh, here we go. From Degenerate Poke. Is next year the most consequential year in OSU athletics in your lifetimes? And if so, explain how. Um, I don't know. First year without Oklahoma in the conference, it, it's hard to say off the top of my head looking back. Uh, 2011 certainly seemed pretty important. I don't know. It, that's a that's a hard one to answer. Most consequential, I think it'd be a little bit prisoner of the moment to say yes, but I do think it's a very important year for Oklahoma State to have success. I think you could argue last year was being the last bedlam, don't you? Yeah, that's a good one. That's um, I mean, that's like, that's pretty consequential. The last bedlam football game for who knows how long. That's uh, that's pretty definitive. Not only the final bedlam, but. Um, there was a little bit of bedlam going on in the BYU game where you basically let Oklahoma into the Big 12 championship game in the first half, and then you booted them out of the Oklahoma, out of the Big 12 <laughs> championship game in the second half. So, um, yeah, very consequential for those bragging rights going forward. Yeah, so I'd probably I'd probably go with that. Uh, last one I have is from Mazga. Will you be at the Iowa wrestling duel? Should be an all-timer. I, I don't have plans as of yet, but I did see that they're not sold out yet, which is kind of surprising. That should be... We all remember that duel when they hosted Iowa a few years ago where it was sold out. That should be an epic, epic environment. I would encourage anyone who hasn't been to a wrestling duel, try to make it to that one. Yeah, no doubt. Like I said, that that day is my wife's birthday, um, and we've got plans, and they don't involve her sitting at an Oklahoma State wrestling duel. So, yeah, we will not be making it up for that one just because of the timing of that date, but I encourage everyone to get out there. It's going to be awesome. Uh, one more for me, Daddy Traub 22 What are your thoughts on OSU baseball this year? I love college baseball. I love Josh Holiday. I think I've talked before on this podcast about being the the beat writer for a class, my sports writing class, my junior year at Oklahoma State. And I was on the OSU baseball beat, and Josh just had pretty much an open door policy. I just show up on a Tuesday at nine a.m. and um, you know just go knock on his office door and go in, sit down, and talk to him for fifteen minutes about what was coming up for the week, and he'd give great quotes and um, just couldn't be a nicer guy. So uh, love him and Nolan Schubert coming back. Obviously one of the best players in the country. I'm pretty bullish on this Oklahoma State team. I think it'll be a really good regular season team again, chance to win the Big 12 tournament. And then you just hope your pitching gets hot in the postseason and you get some timely hitting. I think we all know baseball postseason can be a little bit random uh, with hot pitchers and, and timely hitting, two out hitting, runners in scoring position, things of that nature. This Oklahoma State baseball program is really good under Josh Holiday. It, it's just getting it all put together in the postseason. So uh, fingers crossed that it happens this year for Oklahoma State, but bullish on their chances and excited to get it going. Yep, go win the Big 12. That's all I ask. <laughs> go win the Big 12. Take down take down Texas, take down TCU. Um, make it your conference. Yep. All right, Colby, it's been fun. Anything else? I uh, don't believe so. Appreciate everyone for listening. Um, don't know when we'll be back together. Might be later in the week, might be early next week after Oklahoma State basketball has gotten a couple more in and Bedlam this Saturday down in Norman. So uh, I think a split, Carson, this week, that'd be a good result for Oklahoma State basketball. You think they get one or two? Um, why not? <laughs> Boynton knows Bedlam, doesn't he? 
Boynton knows Bedlam. It's uh, back-to-back road games, but yeah, let's give them a split. Team's trending right now. They play Bedlam well, so hopefully they can get that one Saturday night in Norman. Thanks, everyone, for listening. As always, go Pokes!